0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the FinTech Germany Award jury podcast enabled by Financial Times. I am Alexandra, your host today, and we will provide you with the insights on the award, our jury members, and latest trends in the industry. I am sitting in Frankfurt today with Hans Mantel from FRED. Hans, happy to have you here today.
1: Hi, Alex. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: How are you today?
1: Well, pretty good. It's a Monday, a bit overcast, (laughs) so right time to to sit in the studio.
0: Perfect. And um, I would like the listeners and our audience, of course, to get to know you a little better. So give us a short intro of your background, um, of your profession, and what are you currently working on and what are you doing?
1: Well, I'm actually a kind of a techie guy. You know, IT technology has always fascinated me. So I started programming at the age of 13 and uh, sold my first modem at 14 in the pre-internet era. That was really exciting and adventure. And uh, well, I thought I should be working in technology, do something with computers. At the end, it all turned out to be different. But, uh, well, right now I'm obviously working in headhunting, Fred Executive Search is the company I co-founded, and we are focused on finance, real estate, and digital. In the meanwhile, I'm working since 2000 in headhunting, always with a focus on technology, but my domains are pretty much financial and professional services.
0: And where are you from, uh, personally? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a real Frankfurter, born and raised in Frankfurt, and uh, well, most stayed most of the time here.
0: Okay, for such an international city, that's uh,
1: it's quite uncommon, I know. Yeah, as uh, most of the people working in Frankfurt are not from Frankfurt, so it's kind of be exotic being a Frankfurter in Frankfurt. Absolutely,
0: mm. but it's good to have you here today. And um, was headhunting always your? profession so how did that come how did you end up in headhunting or in recruiting maybe you give us a little more details on that
1: yeah if you have to ask me 30 years ago i well i would say no way i would be in headhunting but uh, it was kind of a sidestep in 2000 before that i was more active in technology i was a technology consultant i was producing music and also video clips based on cgi computer graphics which was uh, quite fun and also exciting and in 2000 it just uh, occurred that um somebody from the past asked me hey we are setting up a headhunting boutique and uh, you were always good in research and IT communication and all this might just be interesting to you and i said okay well i have no clue actually what's going on there what is needed <laughs> and uh, but uh, i i am open to talk Yeah, and uh, a week later, I started in headhunting, you know, the company. And my first task was to build up research, technology and uh, all the infrastructure. And secondly, to focus on on consulting within Mm -hmm. mostly for banks, you know, IT positions. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning. And um, after seven years, uh, we founded um, our own company Mm -hmm. in 2007. Where I also stayed for almost 10 years, you know, as a partner um, for digital and also um, part of the managing directors. And uh, in pre- exactly six years ago, we started FRED. And uh, FRED is focused on finance, real estate, digital, mm-hmm. which is kind of our home turf. We're still a boutique. Now we have like 16... Colleagues working here in Frankfurt are focusing on these topics. We have international clients, we have local clients, we have some startups, of course, fintech, prop tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, this uh, topics and this expertise is really interesting to me.
0: Okay, thank you for the insights. I have so many questions mm-hmm. now um, with what you brought up. So the first one is back in these days when you started in recruiting and headhunting, how did you do all the research when you did not have all the tools that you have today? I mean, today you just go on LinkedIn and search with hashtags or you go into the newspapers all via Google. I assume you also can use AI-based tools for recruiting today. But how did that work in these early days?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, back in the days, the pre-social media time, it was lots of yeah handwork. I mean, it was really uh, about... Telephone, you know, identif- identifying people, you know, doing research. Um, the internet in 2000 was quite vague you know there was not too many information I can remember if you google you know the Deutsche Bank website in 2000 we did not have DSL uh, (laughs) at home
0: so I needed to pay my parents when I wanted to have more internet minutes
1: (laughs) yeah in the beginning we used the dial-up modem of course Mm -hmm. for the company and quite soon it started to uh, DSL to be ready and uh, but the question was which information to get I mean everything was uh, just in the beginning we partly used even Bloomberg, you know, to identify people working in financial services or in mm-hmm. trading and sales portfolio management, which was uh, quite expensive, but mm-hmm. uh, um, a very reliable source. And besides this, you used, of course, by telephone, some cover stories. You did some research. You did ask your network. You did a lot more of sourcing, much more meeting people in real life networking which is of course still an asset as it is in mm-hmm. people's business but back then we had quite a big team you know focusing on identification and research and um, so most of the work has already been done you know before the consultant approaches the candidate mm-hmm. so it was a much more integral and important part of head hunting is just um, revealing the right candidates and uh, gathering this information.
0: Okay, that's uh, really really interesting to hear. And uh, as I just said, I have some more questions. Um,
1: well, go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing is. We are a podcast from the jury, um, from our uh, insights, with our perspectives. And of course, we want to get more insights for our audience that could be startups, that could be also um, people that search for jobs, but also companies that search for the right people. So I'm really glad to have you here today with that expertise. And I could think that with what you are doing and with what you have seen combining the jury part, the startups that we are seeing on these lists each year and with your background from the very early days of recruiting and headhunting and now with all the technology that is arising that is also transforming your job, that this is quite an interesting package now and that you have a lot of insights in an area where currently everyone is struggling. Let's go into buzzwords a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The wall for talents. What do you currently see there? And is there anything that, in your view, a lot of companies or even the startups, whoever is recruiting out there, what they are currently missing, what tips would you give them to to hire the right people at the
1: moment. Mm, okay, that's a lot. Lots of questions. Um, we have I- <laughs> time,
0: and, but I would think that uh, this is uh, something that a lot of people want to know from
1: you. Mm. Well, World for talent is actually not so new. I think it uh, popped up in the early two thousand. Um, interestingly, we we just had. Um Or it was like in two, 2017, I had an article about War for Talent, you know, within IT, technology, digital, and uh, what's going on there, what are doing corporates wrong or why they're not getting the right talent, you know, mm-hmm. on board. I think this didn't change pretty much in the meantime. But there's still a war ongoing, of course. You know, the best talent um, needs to be attracted by the companies and it's not always um, a matter of salary. Um, There are many, many aspects. And uh, right right now we have a situation where we have definitely a shortage on um, technology-savvy people. But it's not only about, let's say, developers or solution architects. Mm -hmm. It's it's more like... um, let's say, a digital awareness, you know. So we need more interdisciplinary skills so that mm-hmm. people understand the business at the one hand, but they're also comfortable, at least comfortable, and using technology and, and open-minded for this and what, what is about to change because of the technology. And this is, of course, a very individual question, you know, for, for every, let's say, candidate who's looking for a new job, but also for every company who needs to fill a position. mm mm-hmm. Having said this, that means that uh, attracting talent, um, this encompasses many aspects. It's the salary, of course, yeah, and it's the purpose of the work. It's culture, yeah, corporate culture, and some other aspects. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you manage to align these different aspects, you can attract probably more talent than if you're just uh, posting plain vanilla jobs and Besides this, you also raise the questions of the tools, the artificial intelligence, the bots and all this, you know, of, of searching, finding the right people. This is a little bit of a rat race. You know, if everybody's using this technology, everyone, every member on LinkedIn just gets 10 or 20 mails more a day into his inbox um, on top of those you're already receiving but uh, this is not the actually the solution because it's just more an overbroking the market but uh, doesn't really give the, the the right results i would say
0: you so, just talked also about uh, salaries not the only thing that is interesting for the candidates are there any other benefits that you see candidates mm-hmm. um, require more and more
1: well the most um, obvious Asset or the possibility to to work remotely is uh, of course one. Um, meaning that you have, let's say, uh, a split. You know between being at the office, connecting with with your peers or maintaining projects with all these stakeholders and so on. And the other hand, on um, being at home, focusing being concentrated on your work and uh, it, it's not necessary to go to the office just to see everybody else is at the at the home office and you're doing the same thing let's say like virtual. the zoom calls yeah, all you're all going to the office to make the zoom call there that's pretty yeah, ridiculous that's useless, yeah and uh, this is of course something that needs to be avoided for the future and so
0: we need some more governance as well the management needs to set better guidances now for managing partly remote teams as to say to them, please use your time when you are coming to the office physically to do stuff that you cannot do via Zoom Mm -hmm. or like workshops or ideation or to foster the team culture more. Because what I have experienced as well and also heard from networks is more and more that the people are told come to the office but it's accepted that they are just doing zoom meetings all day and then of course everyone does not see the purpose behind coming to the office and also the culture is not improving
1: well this downside is pretty obvious um actually should be in everybody's interest, especially as a manager, you know, to to just schedule your days or your weeks uh, to, to keep an, an eye on this. On the other hand, it, of course, needs to be orchestrated uh, because you don't have um, pretty much impact if some peers are in the office today or even not. I mean, it's something that needs to be organized either by the team or by the mm-hmm. superiors or as a general management rule or a corporate guidance let's say like this but this is important because people just don't see the benefit of of traveling back in the office without any real impact and uh, the other aspect is of course not only the communication or being much more inspired um, that is also a matter of culture and culture is very important it's as important of course as the flexibility in your work and also I would say as important as the salary and uh, of course there's one saying you know, culture is eating strategy for breakfast.
0: Yeah, I've so, heard that. Now yeah,
1: you have that <laughs> one, and uh, therefore you need to um, to orchestrate from by the management um, an environment, you know, in in terms of culture that people are willing to come to the office to share, mm-hmm. to speak with with each other, and uh, this cannot be just enforced you know mm-hmm. like a top-down approach you know everybody's coming to the office and what to do so uh, after these two years of uh, of corona and uh, when people getting used uh, to their remote work or sitting at home and doing their jobs as effectively as as if they were in the office it, it needs stronger arguments you know just uh, by by decision to return to the office and say okay what for this is not the purpose that mm-hmm. people expect and And this is not only, let's say, a matter of Gen Z or the younger generation. Everybody Mm -hmm. is uh, enjoying, you know, this flexibility usually. And therefore, it has to be, um, yeah, uh, let's say, a a rule set or or a governance Mm -hmm. by by the respective corporates.
0: Okay, on that, I have um, another interesting question, as your company is also... I would say, similar to the startups that we have on the lists at the Fintech Germany Award, how do you manage it in your company to foster a good working culture and how do you cope with partly remote teams? What are you doing on that area?
1: Well, as we're a boutique, you know, small and specialized, um, we don't have such logistics or such a big workforce, which it makes it, of course, harder. You like know? many
0: of our uh, listeners from the startups maybe as well. They yeah, are of course, in yeah. a similar company size.
1: No, we, we try to, to generate an environment that is attracting people at, at the end, you know. They need to be happy being in the office. They need to have the feeling that it is more, let's say, constructive or it's just beneficial to the work, you know, being in the office. And uh, most of them enjoy pretty much. So our, even if we offer the possibility of, of working remotely, most of them are in the office, For for example, me, I'm just being more (laughs) efficient and and just just like working in the office. Besides this, of course, we have a really nice office, I have to say, Mm -hmm. and we also have a complete open space culture uh-huh. so there's no single room or corner offices or something like this the only rooms which can be uh, closed Is or meeting the rooms, and if yeah. you have interviews uh-huh. or video calls when you really need to focus but and it,
0: when you need to have something confidential maybe going on
1: sometimes it might be confidential when, when well.
0: you are hiring the next ceo of any uh, um, well-known bank maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, then, it's, okay. of course, it uh, should be discretion. It's the first rule in our business anyway. But, of course, within the company, you don't have this, let's say, barriers unnecessarily. I mean, I know of many other competitors, uh, they handle it a little bit differently, but it's okay. But uh, we decided to have this open space culture. And uh, I think after now six years, I can, I can say that this pays off, you know, that uh, we created uh, an environment where everybody is both kind of happy but also willing to um, be productive, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's not only the office space. Uh, it selecting the people which is actually our core business is sometimes even harder you know when you pick your own team you know? yeah that's uh, sometimes you're just better advising uh, other people <laughs> <laughs> who to hire and what to do than than yourself um, um but on the other hand um we learned a lot even from our former companies where we said maybe we should do this a little bit better and so on and finally there was also one reason you know to to um to incorporate FRED, or uh, as our aim was, I mean, the name is a little bit fresher, it's uh, just pointing out that we want to do it maybe differently, but still maintaining a high level of quality and service level, um, but we w- also want to have some fun, you know, during work, and I think this is not uh, excluding each other.
0: And that your company is well positioned and with a very good reputation is also reflected by the fact that you are now one of the sponsors of the Fintech Germany award so Glad
1: let's, to hear that.
0: <laughs> let's let's come to the Fintech Germany award the deadline is approaching
1: yeah thursday
0: are you done yet
1: mm, almost
0: almost okay so then i need to speed up a little bit um, <laughs> i like to have the pressure on the very last second i must admit
1: yeah, this is uh, something that's quite familiar to me too. Sometimes uh, it uh, raises uh, efficiency, but sometimes I wish I would have started earlier. But uh, yeah.
0: As always. It's like it is. Huh? Yeah. What motivates you to be one of the jury members and to look at all these fintechs? I mean, it's really a lot. Um, for me, it has been some sleepless nights in the past because the deadlines were much tighter somehow um this year we had some more time luckily
1: so you're finished
0: not yet Uh, sorry
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: i needed to prepare the the session for today with you
1: okay (laughs) taken
0: no but um what's your motivation to be on the jury
1: um well my um our motivation you know to to join the fintech germany award or being a sponsor um, that raised a couple of years ago i think this is the fourth year and but the first year i'm sitting in the jury uh we were totally convinced um by the concept and uh, as i said um, financial services technology this it uh, it's quite obvious you know that we have to do something within fintech and at this time Uh, When we first joined, you know, as a visitor in the first year, but then as a sponsor um, after that, um, it was just a a great format, you know. They had um, great jury people. They had uh, interesting startups, which some of them raised to unicorns um, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, of course, in in the beginning, it was located in Frankfurt. So that was all coming together. And that was quite clear to that we need to take a closer look and then I got to, to, get to know, um, um, Michael, you know, Michael Melinoff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then, uh, I would say that was just, um, a match. No. And, uh, after, after three years, we decided, okay, maybe this expertise, um, knowing financial services and technology quite well, having worked for a couple of startups and fintechs, both, uh, as well mm-hmm. as for established banks probably gives you um, a good insight uh, because it's a total, in my opinion, it's a total, totally different angle, you know, where, mm-hmm. how you see companies and uh, it's not about vacancies and positions, but only about processes, about culture, about um, reputation as uh, so, so many, maybe sometimes soft factors. Um, and then I was thinking of mm, maybe this is a missing part because there is no other uh, jury member. I, would ju-
0: I just wanted to say that as well, because uh, there's no, no one else who brings in the expertise on the recruiting side, on the workforce side and all these kinds of topics that are more important than ever. So yeah, it's really great that you are on board.
1: Yeah, I hope I can be of benefit here. And, uh, yeah, I was also impressed, uh, you know, by, by the long list of uh, all the attendees. Um, of course, we did also some nominations. Mm-hmm. But at the end, uh, you're a little bit more experienced, being in the jury, uh, for a longer time. But, yeah, honestly, if you take it this seriously, uh, the jury work is is work uh, because you need yes. to screen many information, need to do some research by your own, and uh, this shouldn't be underestimated
0: and is there any red flag for um, a fintech or a company that is supplying where you would say okay that's that's not cool, or I don't see um, this as a trending topic.
1: Hmm. Well when it comes to red flags uh, we need to think uh, in in which respect of course Uh it's is it the business model is it strategy is it uh, reputation or even the culture of course sometimes it's hard you know to to judge these um from external as from external mm-hmm. uh, point of view but as we do have lots of conversations uh, with these companies sometimes you identify let's say signs of toxic culture mm-hmm. or and high pressure and something like this, which, mm-hmm. of course, is, is definitely a negative impact. And some companies are quite successful knowing that they have internal problems. You know, there mm-hmm. are, of course, uh, even fintechs or, or uh, meanwhile, unicorns, which are much more targeted by press, you know, for mm-hmm. these issues. sure. But uh, in general, every startup um, has critical phases and and times when they need to redesign or rethinking, you know, their setup. And Mm -hmm. uh, this is maybe the most important uh, stage, not only the business model and the money that flows in, but also um, a point where, for example, you know, you have uh, the core team. You have, let's say, four people building a company. And at the beginning, they... They are usually having the positions of the CEO, the CTO, COO, mm-hmm. the COFO. But after a while, it's quite obvious that they are not um for this, for the next stage, not mm-hmm. uh, the best pick. You know, they need to uh, be more, let's say, professional or be more experienced. And as they ask for more investors' money, the investor asks them to you know, to ramp up you know, yeah, even sure. the core stuff. And this uh, results sometimes in... Let's say some some ego problems, you know, that uh, maybe a founder isn't willing to step back or bring in somebody mm-hmm. else, even knowing that might be it is the better choice or even not knowing. But uh, th- this can lead on mm-hmm. to, let's say, a corporate culture that is not... Perfect this is uh, the wrong word, yeah. but uh, it's uh, then you change the setting. You know, then the culture of the first days and all this inspirational energy is sometimes so you need different people taken away. For, yeah? You need
0: different people for different stages, for different tasks. Um, yeah, I'm I'm aware of that. Yeah, well. that's yeah.
1: that's for sure. And maybe I'm as as far as I can. You know, um, I look on. These topics. What is the culture? How did this emerge? You know, mm-hmm. are, are, they, are they able? You know, to to let's say prevail a certain culture, spirit, which is also still there after scaling up.
0: Okay. So, um, ju- just for as an example, because we also want to give the listeners and maybe potential applicants for <laughs> next year some insights on the jury. Um, and the award per se so if you have a company on the list that has a pretty good pitching deck and they have done very well with all the information they provide and they have a good business case and they are also in the in the right area with the right industry trend at the moment but you know from your insights from talks to um, people and yeah some research maybe you know something that's not in the deck about their culture or whatever then you would also reflect that in your numbers at the end with this company
1: this could happen I mean, on the other hand, uh, I mean, there's no right
0: or wrong answer, but <laughs> it's just to give the people also an impression on how the jury is is uh, looking at the companies. And I, I think it's pretty fair to say, OK, I know things maybe that are, of course, not in the well-prepared pitching deck. So maybe they should just know from today that it's worth working on culture all the time.
1: <laughs> it should be worth working on culture all the time, that's for sure. But this question is it really fair, is it? I mean, if from my point of mm-hmm. view, and of course, every rating is somehow subjective.
0: but we are a big jury for exactly that it reason
1: is, that's that's the good point. Um, if the jury is big enough, so so maybe this red flag I'm hissing is uh, is right, so I need to. Probably tell why did I not give for this wonderful company with this great mm-hmm. pitch deck the seven stars mm-hmm. ratings uh, or so, so something below, but it's it's a thin line to walk I guess you know? yeah and I'm pretty aware even if I'm the only one who is claiming you know I'm the expert from HR I can yes. judge your culture <laughs> it shouldn't be like that you know yeah. it shouldn't be afraid of this and in the first place I will also of course focus on the business model and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea and, of course, the feasibility, you know, of Mm -hmm. of their plan, as far as I can judge it at all. But But, uh, it should be, um, let's say, put it in another word. I think I would just weight these points a little bit higher than somebody else. Okay. Mm -hmm. But this is also maybe... The effect of having somebody in who is focusing on HR, corporate culture, Mm and people and so on.
0: I will also tell you my red flag. I have one as well. And what I don't like is when the companies don't even fill out the documents.
1: Yeah, okay. That's something
0: which I really like.
1: Pretty close to a showstopper. I mean, (laughs) the question is why should I attend for something and not willing to invest, you know, giving them the right material? This should be, yeah, I'd say the least.
0: (laughs) And with regards to the jury, is there anyone you would not have met if it wasn't for the awards?
1: I mean, well, it's a great jury and it uh, has been growing recently. Um, Some of the people I know, some are just by name um, of course there are a couple of people I probably wouldn't get to know easily um, unlike I would go to pitch pitch them you know for <laughs> for your services uh, for, for our headhunting uh, <laughs> yes. services um, and, and therefore of course it's as it is um, my my core business in this respect um, it's also very interesting to get to know these people and uh, secondly of course to get them better than having met them at the fair talking for five minutes i mean this jury meeting and uh, this uh, the the whole um, discussion is very as, intense yeah it is intense and uh, that reveals uh, a lot more facets of the people than you usually see when you mm-hmm. just meet and greet them
0: and so even more now with the podcast
1: probably yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have also one question from our audience because we also want to invite our audience to ask questions and uh, of course the audience wants to know from you as a specialist in recruiting what do you think about vocation
1: yeah vocation interesting aspect i mean honestly none of our candidates have really asked for vocation what they're usually mm-hmm. asking for is the flexibility of, of working. And okay, sometimes they ask, um, what if I am four weeks in Spain this summer? Can I do two weeks of vacation? Uh, okay. This is maybe just a little um, aspect. Um, it's not that important for our clients or candidates. Is that, maybe a typical,
0: is that maybe a typical German thing? Do you see that in other countries this is more of a topic?
1: might be you know okay. as we are focusing mostly on the german speaking mm-hmm. market it's uh, it's not such a big deal we have sometimes it's more the ex- extreme you know sometimes you have candidates they say okay i would like to work 100% remote mm-hmm. or if i work for this company um right now i'm yeah indeed working in spain can i do this there as well mm-hmm. um it is sometimes more a legal or insurance issue you know this vocation thing that just to say yeah of course go ahead and uh, see you in two months or something um it's quite rare um unless you take a look at the developers you know they have a little bit more flexibility and uh, yeah some of them they wouldn't wouldn't even consider a new job if it wasn't fully remote or okay. in this aspect invocation because they're just uh, sitting somewhere on the beach anyway
0: but yeah. this this has always been the case in particular that scene with the developers so um that's yeah, yeah. more common Okay.
1: Well, what we see, it's, it's not such a big issue.
0: Okay. And we have one more category. In our last episode, uh, we asked the question for the next podcast guest and the person, which was Merdat, he didn't know who's coming up next. So the question of Merdat was, what advice would you give the organizers of the Fintech Germany Award to get it to the next level? and to scale up a little more, to make it more attractive for international applicants as
1: well? Interesting question. I mean, I don't think uh, Michael doesn't need uh, that much advice, you know. But uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: doing a pretty good job.
1: In the past, I mean, um, it was also um, a quality criteria that this uh, event is not that huge meaning there Mm -hmm. are two or three hundred people really everybody who's joining this is really into it is interested and therefore the networking quality is really Mm -hmm. high so if you say bringing it to the next level means scaling okay needs to be discussed but surely we can scale this event maybe to 400 or 500 participants without uh, let's say watering the quality but mm-hmm. I would say maybe um, it's not only about size. It's um, maybe the categories, which are this year also with three extra categories. It's it's broadening a little bit. On mm-hmm. the other hand, it's a fintech award. What will you do? You know, you can. I think the only thing is. Just scaling it up a little bit, having a nice location, which worked out fine in the in the past years, but there's no not no so so many things. Um, I could say this mm-hmm. needs to be done to bring it to the next level, maybe um, in an international uh, perspective. Um, but Michel had also made up his mm-hmm. mind how to um, attract other markets or other countries. Um. But I think it's on, on on a good way, you know, like it is. Yes. And, um,
0: I have seen it growing as well over the past years. And it's making good steps um, in the right pace with the right people, the right sponsors. But if uh, if someone is now listening who has a great location, maybe for next year, you feel free to contact Michael Mellinghoff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and especially if it is in Frankfurt.
0: Yeah, okay, let's see. (laughs) Let's see what happens. Um, Okay, then we have only one last question. And this is not a question that you ask, because, of course, for the next guest, and we don't know yet who it will be, you are also invited to address a question that the next guest should answer. Please go ahead.
1: Okay, sure. Maybe this. So which innovative business or digital solutions has impressed you most recently?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I'm curious about the next guest and who it will be to answer that one. For now, we are done.
1: Oh, are we already? Time flies. (laughs) (laughs) Time
0: flies by. And um, thank you, Hans, for being here today in the studio, in our podcast and with your insights.
1: Well, thank you so much, Alex, for making this happen. And I uh, hope we had some interesting topics for this podcast. Uh, and looking forward to the yeah FinTech Award itself.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for listening today in this episode of the FinTech Germany Award Jury Podcast, enabled by Financial Times. All further information you can find in the show notes.